Hey guys, Michael here with Wedding Videography School. If you're looking for a solid and reliable contract that you can feel good about sending to your clients, look no further than the WVS contract, crafted by a licensed attorney in the state of Colorado. It might just be the best contract for wedding videographers in all of North America, or even maybe the world. Uh, hard to know. Regardless, if you're unsure of whether the contract you're using right now is good enough, go to WeddingVideographySchool.com right now, enter the password podcast, and start protecting yourself and your business today. Hey guys, Michael here with WeddingVideographySchool.com. Hope you guys are having a great week. I know I am. A uh, great day, all that. Um, I'm sitting here, looking out the window. Um, flakes are flying here. Got some snow coming down. Um, I don't think it's really going to do much, but uh, yeah, just kind of watching these flakes fly. I got some other st stuff to do today, so uh, I don't want it to sound like I'm just sitting around doing nothing, but uh, to record this podcast, I figured I'd just sit in front of the window here and stare out while I while I blabber. Uh, um, okay, so yeah, this morning uh, I had kind of a rough morning that kind of solidified some thoughts I have about the world around me, and I'll dive into that in a little bit. Um, but I wanted to start out this episode with a quote that I love, and you might have heard me say it before. It's a T. Harv Ecker quote. And T. Harvecker said, if you are willing to do only what's easy, life will be hard. But if you are willing to do what's hard, life will be easy. And I really love this quote because um, I just, I think it's so true. Um, and today I want to talk about one of the most common habits that I see in unsuccessful people. One of the traits, I guess, or habit, whatever you want to call it, that I see in people who are unsuccessful. We talk, you know, people always talk about, hey, what makes somebody successful? And we're like, uh, hard work and uh, uh, positive attitude. And, but we never really talk about the things that make people unsuccessful. And I'd say there's probably a lot more unsuccessful people in the world than there are successful. And I'm not saying that success is entirely based on money. I don't personally think it is. I think that's kind of a narrow way of looking at success to just say that person is successful because they have a billion dollars. I would say that person is at least partially successful, right? There's, there's a lot of different um, ways to measure success. If that person's like a total douchebag and has no friends and hates life and they have a billion dollars, then they're a partial success. Um, but uh, th I think there's a lot left uh, that they that they that they don't have, right? If they don't have happiness, if they don't have friendship, if they don't have family, if they don't have health, you know, these are all things that are part of success. And so, um, you know, I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and say that money is success, but I think money is part of success. And you know, when I look at people around me who are working low income jobs or just jobs that, you know, we all kind of know what those jobs are, right? Like those jobs where you're like, Oh, I don't want to do that for the rest of my life. And maybe you guys are in a situation where you have one of those jobs. God knows that I had a couple of those jobs, um, more than, 
Well, I've had a few of those jobs, right? Where I was just making 10 bucks an hour and it's like, I can't, like, I can't do this for the rest of my life. Um, and there's people that will do that for the rest of their lives. So how do we separate ourselves from the people who are going to be stuck in like a, a shitty job for the rest of their life that they don't like versus the people who get out? Like, what's the difference? What are the, what's the difference between the people who are successful and the people who are unsuccessful? And I've been on this planet for almost 33 years. And I feel like while I don't know everything and I'm not going to sit here and act like I do know everything, I think I've observed enough people around me to kind of start to see a pattern. And today I want to talk about the number one trait, at least in my opinion, that I see in unsuccessful people who tend to be making a, a low income. Um, and that is a lack of situational awareness combined with a lethargic approach towards work. I'm going to say that one more time. A lack of situational awareness combined with a lethargic approach to work. Um, Many people who are low income um, or otherwise unsuccessful, unhappy, they have a mindset that does not serve them. And the first thing I'll get into my kind of personal experience this morning, and I'll probably tell a couple other stories. But um, the first thing that came to mind outside of uh, the situation that I had at my kid's daycare this morning uh, was TSA workers. We've all been through the TSA line. We know like, you know, some of those workers are actually really pleasant, really nice, really motivated. And you, you can tell they're like, yeah, I'm doing my best at this job. I may not like it. It may not be the best job, but you know what? I'm going to do my best. Those people I'm not worried about. It's the other people who you can just see it on their face. They're just miserable. They're so miserable. Those are the people I get concerned about. And you know, right now the federal shutdown's going on. Um, there's a bunch of TSA workers that aren't showing up uh, to work because they're not getting paid, so they're just calling out sick every single day. Um, and, and you know what? I would say this. No matter where you fall in terms of your political views, that doesn't really matter, right? Like whether you think we should have a shutdown or you don't think we should have a shutdown, whether we should get the wall or not get the wall, like that, that is kind of irrelevant when we're talking about mindset. And the problem that I have with the TSA workers who are calling out sick and not going to work is they have a very limited point of view. Their point of view is, I'm not going to work unless I get paid, which listen, I understand that point of view. It's, it sounds like a very logical point of view and belief to hold, right? I'm not going to work if I'm not going to get paid. Like I think most people, if you ask them, if you ask most people in this world, Hey, would you work if you knew you weren't going to get paid? A lot of people would say no, right? Well, guess what? Do you think there's more rich people in this world or more poor people in this world? Think about that. If there's more people who are, who say something like, if I'm not, if I'm not getting paid, I'm not going to work. 
versus people who say, well, even if I don't get paid, I'm still going to show up and uh, carry out my responsibilities, knowing that I will probably get paid in the future. And, you know, I got to sacrifice a little bit in the short in the short term. Think about the fact that like (laughs) it's like I would you have to imagine that most people would say I'm not going to work if I don't get paid. And most people aren't wealthy. Most people aren't super successful financially. Do you think there might be a correlation between mindset and success? I think there absolutely is. And, um, you know, when TSA workers are calling, and I'm picking on the TSA right now, not, it's just because it's going on right now. It's something that I can kind of throw out there for you guys to think about. Um, you know, I actually kind of feel bad. I'll move on from TSA. I don't want to like dog a bunch of people. But what I'm saying is if your mindset is I'm not going to work unless I get paid, it's not a good mindset to have. And I know that seems counterintuitive. I totally get it. Um, But, you know, these are the kind of people that say, why work when I'm not getting paid? Well, I can tell you that from personal experience, the times that I have grown the most were when I've done things for free. Now, doing things for free isn't always a good thing, but it isn't always a bad thing either. Uh, for Well, I will go back to TSA just for one sec. These, these TSA workers have a choice. They can either go to work and not get an immediate paycheck, but probably get back pay when this, excuse me, when this shutdown is over, or they can just keep calling in sick until they run out of sick days and then not show up to work. But what happens when they get called back into work? What do you think their boss is going to think of the people who showed up to work, even in the hard times versus the people who didn't show up when times got tough? Do you think the boss is going to like the people who showed up or the people who didn't show up? The boss is going to love the people who showed up. The boss is going to have a whole new respect for the people who showed up. The boss is not going to view those people as suckers. The boss is not going to view those people as losers who had nothing better to do than to show up to work. The boss is going to view those people as loyal, diligent, hardworking, honest, good people. That's what the boss is going to do. And to the people who called in sick, even though they weren't really sick, they just didn't want to go because they knew they weren't going to get a paycheck at the end of the week. Those people are not going to have the boss's favor, right? So you can start to see why when you have this very limited mindset of working for free is this terrible thing that I will never do you can see why it might start to hurt you in the long run. And this is something that I've had to learn. You know, it's not like I was just born with this, oh, Michael, wow, that guy is a wise guy. Such wisdom pouring out of his mouth every time he opens it. No, like I have had to learn these lessons the hard way many times. And, you know, I am not innocent of thinking this way. I have thought this way for a long time, but over the last five or, you know, maybe going on 10 years, I haven't thought this way. So, uh, I would encourage you to kind of rethink 
um, you know, what working for free means. Now, obviously I'm not saying let people take advantage of you and that's going to be your call. You're going to have to figure out what that line is, right? And sometimes it's a very fine line between take, be, between being taken advantage of and, you know, growing as a person and growing skills and growing traits. Um, for example, I'll give you an example of what, you know, something that might just happen to my wife. Um, she, uh, I'll come back to this point in a sec. I just want to say working for free is an investment in yourself, um, or sh I should say can be an investment in yourself as long as you're not being taken advantage of. Um, and I want to come back to that point, but first I want to talk to you about my wife who is really somebody who I've always admired, obviously, cause I married her, but, um, I have seen her grow a lot over the last few years in particular. Um, she has, you know, she really loves working in TV news. She really wants to be uh, a news director. Um, that's just what she wants to do. And, you know, she's had some setbacks. So the news industry is a really difficult industry to be in because you can, you can basically get laid off for no reason at any time. And it does happen. And there's really only like four stations in like even the bigger markets where you can go work. So your options are kind of limited. Um, so she got laid off from, you know, her job here and she wanted to take on another news like position and um she actually had the chance to volunteer at our local uh police uh station so she actually went in and started volunteering like writing press releases for the police station um writing you know whatever kind of communication stuff they needed she um was advising them on how to deal with the media and you know um they have a pr person there who's getting ready to retire anyway she went in and she did all this volunteer work for free and it was it was you know kind of a stretch for her because she needed to go in during her free time she'd go on her lunch break from the job that she has now and it was a commitment and it was something that wasn't necessarily easy it wasn't always fun it added stress to her life right because you know, she could have gone to lunch during her break, but instead she basically went and worked for free somewhere else. Well, when it came time for them to offer her, um, or when it came time for this guy to retire, guess who got offered the job? My wife. And it was a job that she really, really, really wanted. She could see herself doing it. She was really excited about it. It's like a job that like, it's just awesome. Unfortunately, because that job is so demanding and we literally just found out that not that long ago that we're having another kid, unfortunately, she felt like the best thing to do was to turn it down, which was really hard for her. And I actually feel really bad about it because I know how excited she was about this job. And so, but all that to say that the they wouldn't have offered her this position had she not gone in and proved herself as much as she did and gone in and worked for free. She went in there for like, I don't know, it was like two or three months of just going in every day or every other day and just working for them and doing things for them, not expecting anything in return. And so, um, yeah, I think that 
I kind of lost my place in my notes here. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Okay. Working for free can be an investment in yourself. Um, and you know, this morning I, I, the whole reason I'm recording this is because I got really kind of irritated when I dropped my kid off at daycare this morning. Um, you know, my son, Henry, he's, he's just a little guy. He's not quite three yet, almost three. Um, but he's still at that age where, you know, I drop him off and he doesn't want me to leave. He clings to my legs and wraps around me like a little spider monkey and just like whales. You know, he doesn't, he does not want his dad to leave him at, at, at school. And so I went in there and, you know, I'm like, I, I drop him off and I'm like, okay, buddy, you got to sit here at this table and I'm going to come back later in the day, you know, and he's crying. He doesn't want me to leave. And there's two teachers in there in his class and there's a bunch of kids in there, but the, all the kids are pretty much just sitting down at their tables. They're all fine. They're, you know, they don't need any specific attention or anything. And there's two teachers in there that could come over and help me, right? They could come over and be like, it's okay, Henry, here, you come with me. And they could help, you know, that separation process. Cause otherwise I'm literally trying to peel my kid off my legs and no, neither of these teachers are coming over. There's this other teacher who usually does come over and she does help me. Well, she's not in the room at that time, but there's two other teachers who are perfectly capable of walking over. And it's not like they're too busy with the other kids. They're not. And so I'm just like totally be bewildered about like, Hey, like what, what's going on? Like, why aren't you helping me? It got to the point where I had to like, basically like discipline my kid who didn't do anything wrong, but I was trying to, I was telling him, I was like, you need to sit in this chair. You know, you got to sit here, buddy. You got to sit here and I got to go and you got to sit here and blah, blah, blah. And like, I have to be really, really stern with him, which is not the way I wanted to handle that situation and not the way I should have handled that situation. But where, where the teachers who were like watching this happen did not come over and just help for like two minutes, just, just two minutes of come over. Uh, you know, he's going to calm down in a couple minutes anyway. Like, I don't understand what, like, why couldn't they help me? Why? And it's like, do I need to come ask you to help me pull my child off of me? Who's like bear hugging me. I, I just think like, it's such a, that's such a situational awareness moment where if I was the teacher, I'd be like, I would immediately go over and hold the kid and help the kid unwind while the parent left. Because I know that after three minutes of me being gone, he's, he's, he calms down. So it's no big deal, but you know, I'm trying to leave and I can't leave. And then like nobody's helping me, but I, I shouldn't ask. I shouldn't have to ask. It's like, you're, look, these people are standing there staring at me. So anyway, I, by the time I left, like the poor kid was wailing as I left. It took everything within him not to get up and chase me out of the room. And I, by the time I got to the classroom door, I was so angry and I just 
pulled the fucking door shut behind me and let it slam. And I was so angry. And I just like, God, I almost like Chuck Norris, the door to the outside of the building open, you know, like roundhouse kicked that motherfucker open. I was so angry because not only should I not have been in a position where I basically needed to like discipline my child while he was just, he, he didn't do anything wrong. He was just so upset. He didn't want me to leave. Like I shouldn't have been in that position and I was angry because the teachers who were there, it's their job to make the transition go as smoothly as possible. I'm not saying it's their job to keep my kid from crying or anything like that. I know that's not what's going to happen. But like situational awareness combined with a lethargic <laughs> or non-situational awareness combined with a lethargic approach to work of I could help, but I'm not going to because I don't feel like it. Guess what? Those daycare workers, those two daycare workers, if they do not have a severe change in mindset, they will be working at that daycare for the rest of their lives. And that's if they're lucky because you know what? When, when you find out or when the boss finds out that hey, you know, these daycare, these people, these teachers could have helped and they decided not to. How's that going to make them look? It's not going to make them look good, right? Um, I have another example. I was at Walmart um, the other day and like Walmart, you think of Walmart and you're like, man, that's one of those jobs I don't want, right? Like you don't want to be a cashier at Walmart. You don't want to be a stock boy at Walmart. Like you just don't really want to work at Walmart. Probably even as like a manager, you probably don't, like maybe general manager would be all right. Cause you know, like I hear that pays like pretty well. Uh, but everything below that, I just, those strike me as jobs that I just wouldn't want. And again, I know some of you guys might have those jobs right now. So it's not me bashing you or anything like that. It's just think about it and just ask yourself, is this a job that I want to have 20 years from now? I think most people would say no. Um, so I was at Walmart. I was in line. Uh, it was a big line too, because it's like this really busy time of day, I guess. And I got in what was like the shortest line. It ended up not being the shortest line. Uh, the lady behind the counter um, was so slow and not like in the way of like, oh, it's my first day or my first week or whatever, but just and not like I have a I have a handicap or anything like that. It's just a totally normal person, probably late 30s or something. Totally normal. But was so lethargic, just like you could tell she just didn't give a shit about being at Walmart. And I get it. Like if I was in her position, would I want to be at Walmart? No, I would not. But I can say that absolutely without a doubt, I would not be the slowest cashier. She was literally taking like an item like and scanning it and then moving it very slowly to the bagging section and then taking another item. It, it's like, you could have just been like scan, 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 but she was like, scan, bag, scan, bag. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. And the line, like by the time, like it was like, 
I looked behind me like five minutes later and the line was like crazy long. I was like, you guys might as well just go stand in a way longer line because I'm I'm screwed. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is going to take forever. And it's like, why? Like, why do you have to be like that? You don't have to be like that. And I know because I was a cashier at Kohl's. And now Kohl's is a department store that sells like kitchen stuff and like random stuff, but they mostly sell like clothes and jewelry and stuff like that. And I worked there for three months when I really needed a job. And I think, I think the pay was like eight fifty. I think I got paid eight fifty an hour to like work in the men's section. But every once in a while, they'd call me up to work as a cashier. Now, I wasn't a very cash, good cashier because I didn't really like counting money. And I always got annoyed when people paid with cash because the credit card, like it was so much faster if they just paid with a card. Thank God most people did, but... I didn't really like counting back change and stuff. I've never been like super good with numbers. Um, So yeah, I I just didn't like it, but I was still like one of the fastest cashiers there because I thought as long as I can make the customer's experience as easy and pain-free as possible and as quick as possible, like nobody's ever going to complain about me. So I would have people come in with like expired coupons and like all these random things and I would always help them out. And it wasn't because, you know, I wanted to screw the company or anything. It was the opposite. I was like, you know what? If we can get more people through this line, we're going to make way more money. And if that means I give somebody 50% off a purchase every once in a while just to get them out the door quicker, guess what? We're still going to make way more money. And, um... Yeah, I I was like a pretty good cashier, even though I was most likely to suck at that job. Uh, I just was like, let's get this over with. Let's get you out. Let's get the next person in line. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. That was my attitude. I didn't work there for very long. And when I left, uh, my boss was like, oh, I'm bummed that you're leaving because you're actually a really good employee. Of course, they never said that like any other day I was there. <laughs> but uh they, they told me when I was leaving, they're like, actually, you're like, you're like one of our best employees. So we're sad to see you go. Um, but you, you know, getting back to this lady at Walmart, like, here's the thing. Um, you, you, worst case she loses her job, right? Cause her boss finds out she's the most unproductive cashier there. Best case, she never moves up. Cause who's going to promote someone that's just like so lethargic and so sluggish. Like, you're not going to get a better job. No, you can go to another place. Your boss isn't going to recommend. They're not going to be like, oh, yeah, uh, you should really hire so-and-so because they're the best. Like, they're not going to say that. They're going to be like, actually, she's the least performing individual we have on staff, right? Like this, this idea of like, I'm just going to do the bare minimum or it's not my job to go the extra mile or I'm not getting paid for that. Like that is a terrible attitude to have. And the most successful people that I know are people who help others. Um, Rich people, when you look at wealthy people, they often have lots of friends And I used to think, well, they have lots of friends because people want to be their friends because they have money. So people are just being suck ups. And I do think that does happen. But what I've kind of started to learn, especially when I'm doing like these like really expensive weddings and I'm around people who are, you know, I've done weddings for clients who are making more than a million dollars a year, like, and 
it like some of these people are like the nicest people you'll ever meet. And oftentimes they're very generous. Um, and I really do think that this is how people become wealthy. They build up other people, they help other people and they become friends with other people. And then those people are much more willing to help them when the time comes. Right. Um, yeah, it's just they build up these incredible networks of people and people get to know them and people like them. And it has nothing to do with money in the beginning. It has everything to do with the fact that they're just super generous and super nice. And they go the extra mile, not only in their friendships, but in their work, they become super reliable people and people see that they're motivated. So they have no problem, you know, recommending them for better and better jobs and all that kind of stuff. Um, I have a friend and I'm going to wrap up this podcast pretty shortly here. So stick with me if you would. Uh, I have a friend named Sam. She's like super nice, really friendly, helpful, positive. Um, she has a ton of friends and it's not because she's rich. She's not rich. She works at a, uh, at a school here in town or for a school district, Um, she's like a PR person over there and she loves, she loves this job. And part of the reason she got this job is because she's such a generous, kind, uh, hardworking person. And she's just like a really, really positive person to be around. Like if you ask me, Hey, Michael, who's the most positive person that you know, personally, it would probably be Sam. Like, I don't know if I could think of anyone who's always, she just and I'm not, I know that she's not always in a good mood because no one is, but it seems like she's almost always in a good mood. Um, and her, her attitude and just her overall positivity in life and helpfulness and going the extra mile and always being there for people has led to her having a huge support system and making a lot of connections with people and connections with people. You know, they say it's not, it's not. Um, what, you know, it's who, you know, if you know the right people, you can get awesome jobs. You can get raises, you can get promotions. You can, uh, you know, if you're working for yourself, you can get a new contract or a huge new client or whatever. And that stuff over time helps you become more financially successful. Um, and it also, I think gives you, you know, uh, more satisfaction when you have friends and family around you. Life is just more satisfying that way. So if you told me like, if you told me like, Hey, uh, uh, like, let's say you could see the future. You had a crystal ball and you were like, um, Hey Michael, guess what? And I was like, what? And you're like, Sam, you know, your friend, Sam, I'd be like, yeah, uh, she's going to be like in like five years, she's going to be making, uh, maybe let's, let's, put it out a little further, a little more realistic in 10 years, she's going to be making like over a million dollars a year. And you could see that in your crystal ball. I'd be like, huh? Wow. That's pretty awesome. And you'd be like, what are you, aren't you surprised? And I'd be like, no, not, not really. Like she's just such a nice person that like she would totally deserve to have a job like that because not only is she a hard worker, a loyal, a loyal person, but She's that kind of person who I think could just be super successful, not because she's the smartest person. And I'm not saying at all, like she's not dumb or anything like that, 
But I'm not saying it's because she's got this incredible talent or she's got this incredible gift or anything like that. It's just because of the way she treats other people. Um, and she does not have the low income sluggard, uh, non-situational awareness kind of mindset. And there are many people who I think will live their lives in a job that they hate just getting by paycheck to paycheck um, because they just don't want to go the extra mile. They've got this like whatever this is, this like, well, I'm not doing that because what's in it for me? Well, guess what? If that's your attitude, you're like, you're not going to be successful. You're always just going to be like kind of on cruise control through life. You're never really going to achieve anything that great. It's just not going to happen. If your attitude is like, I'm going to do the least amount of work possible. Like you might as well, I don't know. I don't want to say kill yourself, but like (laughs) you might as well just like go live really far away from everyone else. Cause I know that I don't want to be around you. That's, that's for damn sure. So guys, I hope this like kind of gives you a little insight into, you know, kind of the way my mind works and the way that other people's minds probably work as well. And obviously this is all just my opinion. So you guys are free to disagree or send comments in. You guys can email me. If you disagree, uh, that's totally cool. Like send me an email. I'm not going to be like, Hey, you're an idiot. (laughs) Like I like hearing other people's opinions. So, uh, if this spoke to you in any sort of way, please let me know. Also, don't forget to rate review, subscribe to the podcast, follow wedding videography school on Instagram at wedding videography school. And if you need a contract, um, for your wedding videography business, don't put yourself uh, in danger. Go get (laughs) danger. It's kind of a strong word, but I don't know, but I guess it depends. Don't, don't put yourself at risk. Go pick up a contract at wedding videography school.com slash contract. And again, uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Really appreciate it. Uh, you guys can always hit me up at Michael at wedding school.com. That's M I C H A E L until next time, guys later. Hey guys, this episode of Wedding Videography School is brought to you by photographers wearing wide brim hats. Uh, Photographers wearing wide brim hats is the nation's number one wedding photography company. And for good reason, Uh, they are clearly the most creative, most unique uh, individuals out there. And their photography is so creative, I can't even begin to describe how creative it is that's how creative it is if you guys are working with photographers who aren't wearing wide brim hats then you're probably not working with the best photographers out there so um you know whether you're having a wedding a birthday party uh or you're taking your kids to school or you're hanging out at home or going to the bathroom you know, all things that you want photographed creatively, um, it should be done by photographers wearing wide brim hats. A lot of you guys, I know you're working with photographers who aren't wearing wide brim hats. They might not be wearing hats at all. And um, that's a problem. If they're not wearing a wide brim hat, 
I don't know what the point of them even picking up a camera is. But when you work with photographers wearing wide brim hats, you know that you're always getting someone who's going to uh, give you the most incredible shots that you could imagine. So for your next event, whether it's a wedding, a birthday party, a family reunion, uh, your mom's pap smear, whatever the event Make sure that you hire photographers wearing wide brim hats um, to get the most creative still images captured, you know, one frame at a time. And that's what that's what photography is. It's, you know, you hear the click, click, and you know you got one frame. And then you hear another click. Sometimes you hear eight clicks in a row, like click, 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 click. Uh, that, they just got eight pictures. And maybe one of them is good. Probably not. But the photographer wearing a wide brim hat, they are going to pull those photos later on and, you know, really, really select the eight or six shots that they got from the entire day um, that they stood in front of the videographer to get. And they're going to they're going to edit those down into something truly magical, probably um, probably just two eight by tens that you can put in the living room next to the closet door. So give photographers with wide brim hats a call today and book them for your next event.